This episode is brought to you in part by Alora Farinway's debut single, Riding a Tiger, available wherever you get your music. Alora Farinway is a young Canadian singer-songwriter who creates dreamy folk pop with the hope of transporting her listeners to another world. As someone who struggles with depersonalization and derealization disorders, conditions where you feel outside of yourself, you don't feel real, where the world around you isn't real and you're floating through life, her felt experience carries over into her music. Her lyrics and soundscapes imitate a dream and invite the listener into a world of color, glowing crystals, and often friendly animals. You can check out Riding a Tiger by Alora Farinway, available on every major music platform, and follow her on Instagram at Alora Farinway for a splash of color in your feed. Visit alorafarinway.com for links to everything, or hit the link in the description of this episode to find out more. This episode of the Upper Discussion Podcast is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Launched in Kelowna, BC, and now expanding to Montreal, Whiskey Lane is on a mission to share their obsession with quality food and drinks with growing audiences by keeping the best local flavors on their minds and on their tongues. No matter what your business needs to grow, Whiskey Lane knows how to make it happen. Whiskey Lane, bringing long lines to the producers of specialty food and drinks. Go to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And that's Whiskey the Canadian way, without an E. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to episode 314 of Up for Discussion, a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Every week, we tackle a different ingredient, dish, or style of cuisine, sharing our favorite recipes and learning from our wonderful guests. Today, we're talking all about ramen. But before we dig in, I want to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within Zhejiang, in the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, I think it's important to remember when the lands we occupy are not our own, and to engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. So I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. Now we're talking today about ramen, which is a dish that originated in Japan and has gained a ton of popularity here in North America. And I would be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit at the top of the show about the kind of massive influx of anti-Asian racism that has been happening in Canada and the United States since the outbreak of COVID last year, uh, (laughs) due in no small part to various, uh, let's call them conservative politicians uh, (laughs) choosing to call it the China virus, among other things. That kind of rhetoric is really harmful and dangerous and leads to a lot of hate, Uh, especially because, like, let's face it, a pandemic is nobody's fault, (laughs) at at least at the start of it. It is not anybody's fault that a pandemic starts. It becomes everybody's responsibility to deal with it. And so when the narrative becomes that people in one country or one continent are responsible for creating a disease, it leads to a lot of racism and a lot of xenophobia, and that's not cool or okay. So uh, if you have been completely unaware of this, that is probably because you are coming at it from a position of privilege, and I would encourage you to do a little bit of Googling, look up some of the statistics, uh, and see what you can be doing for Asian people in your community, because there is a decent chance that they have been silently or vocally experiencing this crap for the past year, and that sucks. So yeah, be informed, be aware of what's going on, and uh, do what you can to make things better. Noodle soup dishes are super comforting and homey. So it's no surprise that they're a staple of so many cultures around the world. On today's show, we're talking all about Japan's contribution to the soup and noodle world, ramen. Whether you've sat alone at a stall slurping noodles from a bowl, taken a top-down photo at a trendy restaurant owned by a kind of shitty white guy, or just cracked open a 30-cent pack of Mr. Noodles, you've probably eaten ramen at least once in your life. But what is it that sets this dish apart? What makes it special? What makes us love it so much? Maybe it's as simple as accessibility. After all, paying half a dollar for something that you can make in the microwave is pretty hard to beat. But maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's centuries of beautiful tradition and passionate improvements. Or maybe it's just fun. All I know is that ramen is wonderful, and I'm excited to talk about it. Now, like an exciting bowl of ramen, today's show is jam-packed full of good things. First up, I'll be talking to Lily Bennett-Sharf, one of the last people I made friends with in real life before this pandemic. She gives me her take on what makes ramen so great, and shares her stories about traveling the world looking for the next great thing to eat. 
Then, in the second half of the show, Matt, Cole, and I are going to walk you through the full list of competitors for this year's Munch Madness food bracket, including the seeding and the first-round matchups. And we're going to make our predictions about who we think will make it to the finale. Munch Madness starts next week, so if you're not subscribed to the show already, make sure to hit the button, like, right now, (laughs) to make sure that you get new episodes the minute they come out. Lastly, and on a pretty different note, I was a guest on this past week's episode of the Rad Child podcast, one of the other shows here on our network. So if you want to hear me talk to host Seth Day about being a step-parent, go check that out. It's a really interesting conversation, I think. Maybe I'm a little biased, but I thought we had a really good time with it. Uh, And it does, in fact, also include a little bit of talk about food because it would be off-brand for me not to. There's a link in the description of this episode for ease of access, and I hope that you enjoy it. All right, that's enough preamble. Let's get to my conversation with Lily. So my guest on today's episode of Up for Discussion is Lily Bennett-Scharf. Lily and I went to high school together, but not really together because we were a few grades apart, but we crossed paths kind of briefly in hallways and reconnected a couple of years ago through friend of the show, Candace Pye. Lily is a photographer and a person who has worked pretty much exclusively in food service jobs from the ripe age of 14, which is absolutely wild. I think the only job I'd had by the time I was 14 was like junior counsel at a day camp. Uh, Lily has done all kinds of stuff from serving to working at a candy shop to being a bus person, I guess. <laughs> Is there a gender neutral term for busboy? To hosting to everything in between uh, and has a whole lot of thoughts about what makes food great and wonderful. And I am very excited to have her here on the show today. Lily, thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me. So I think I always like to do is give my guests a chance to kind of contextualize themselves and their relationship with food for me and more importantly for my listeners uh, before we dive into the main topic. So paint us a broad picture. What kind of food do you like? How did you grow up? Where did you grow up? What do you eat? Tell me about you and food. So I grew up in Montreal, um, like kind of in the NDG area. So uh, a funny thing that my dad used to like to say, I became vegetarian um, when I was about 10. And it was like, I always liked animals and, you know, like a 10 year old brain. It was like, I don't want to hurt the animals and everything. But my dad used to joke and say, it's because I didn't like my mom's cooking. And it was like my sneaky way to get out of uh, <laughs> eating her food. But I actually, I'd asked my mom, like, what kind of things I used to eat a lot when I was younger. And she said, I actually, I used to cook a lot myself. My dad was a really, really, I guess he still is like a really good cook. Um, and one of the few people that I know who, especially at the time, was cooking a lot with tofu, even though the rest of my family ate meat. Um, so it wasn't like a struggle trying to eat food. I'm one of those people that like can't eat coriander. I'm just like not a fan of it. I don't know <laughs> if it tastes like soap. I just, I really don't like it. But I try, especially because I used to be a very picky eater when I was younger. I try to eat anything that I can. Like I'll go somewhere and if something sounds really weird, I'm like, okay, bring it on. Like, let's try it out. And I think a lot of it also has to do with one of the first jobs that I had where I was like really involved with the food. I was a hostess and I didn't make regular tip, I made takeout tip. And so to make up for that, they would feed me every day. And it was like (laughs) a really good French Italian restaurant that had market food. And I remember eating anchovies for the first time and being like, these are amazing. And like trying all these like weird combinations that I wouldn't have thought of. And for like, I did this job for like a year. So I had like a pretty good like food education in that way. Yeah, and I like cooking. I like the culture around food. I like how it brings people together. I think the like the best part of a home is the stove, you know, like there's nothing better than like a nice kitchen. It really just brings everyone together. Awesome. I love that. I think it's really cool that you have this philosophy of like because you were picky when you were younger, you now want to sort of take every opportunity to like try something at least once because I think that that is that's something I encourage my kids to do, right? Like if there's a food that they're like, no, that's gross. I don't want to touch it. It's like, okay, well, take a bite, try it once. If you don't like it, that's totally fine. Not going to force you to eat it. But there is something really, I mean, for one thing, like sometimes it's just the polite thing to do, right? But also like there is, I think that that's how you train yourself to like a sort of diverse amount of food, right? So uh, yeah, I think that's really cool to sort of have that as a mission. Yeah, thanks. I think it also helped um, when I entered CJEP. Um, I opened up and I like started to include uh, seafood into my diet Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of more seafood things are a bit odder. Um, I feel like that was a bit of a pun, otter. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But yeah, like, I don't know, exploring all the different flavors and the combinations because I think for a lot of foods, like they come off as very intimidating. Um, But if you go to it with 
a curious perspective and you're just there to kind of explore it's a bit more fun rather than like I don't know the scary fish that's like staring back at you right yeah I, I was gonna ask about that because you had mentioned being a vegetarian since you were 10 and then mentioned eating uh Maybe shrimp. Anchovies. Anchovies. There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I actually had my first like real run in with anchovies last week. And, uh, oh, I, I, I don't hate them. They're fine. They're not okay. like, I'm yeah. not going to, you know, rush to get more of yeah. them, but like, I'm not going to avoid them either, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I really like this is like my weirdest. One of my friends asked me the other day, what's the like weirdest food combo that you like? Sure. Um, I really like anchovies and triscuits. Okay. I think they're delicious. Yeah. I can, I, I don't. I don't even know if that's that weird. Like it's it's not something you'd expect right out of the gate, but it makes sense yeah. to me. It's like a, you know, yeah. salty cracker, salty fish. Yeah. So much salt. I'm into it. I feel like an anchovy you could put on anything that you would like ostensibly eat with like olives or capers, yeah. you know? Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> awesome. Um well, let's uh yeah, let's get into it a little bit. So obviously our topic for today's episode is ramen. So this topic was requested by one of my Patreon supporters, Andrew, over at patreon.com slash up for discussion. There's a little plug if people want to request topics give us money. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when I was chatting with you to figure out what episode to bring you in on, and I told you that ramen was one of the ones that someone had requested, you were super excited about it. So uh, tell me, what what's your relationship with ramen? I love ramen. I don't know. <laughs> um, I just find it so comforting. It's definitely like my go-to comfort food. And it's just, I don't know, it's so cozy. It's so unpretentious. Um, I feel like it's like, you know, welcoming you home with like a warm blanket and it's like, don't worry, take your shoes off, here are some slippers. It's just like so good. And it's also funny because I, when I think about like the first times that I had ramen, it was like Mr. Noodles. Sure, yeah. And I remember having it at my friend's place and being like, because I love salt. I'm not a huge sweet tooth, but I love salt. And I remember having it in seventh grade for the first time and being like, oh my God, game changer. <laughs> and I like immediately made my parents buy like so many packages. And at that time, like I didn't do anything to the ramen itself. It was just like salt bomb. And then like sometimes eating like the raw ramen at lunch because it was like 50 cents and I was young. So I didn't really have money. And I was like, this is salt and delicious and crunchy. But since I've gotten older, I, I really, really love traveling. Um, I travel quite a lot obviously not right now sure yeah but one of my favorite things to do when I go to a new place I especially like traveling alone is finding a ramen place just because it's also like a food that you are kind of supposed to eat by yourself I've eaten ramen with some people sometimes and it's just like I don't know it's hard because it's not something that you want to stop you want to just keep slurping <laughs> and slurping so almost every time I'm in a city by myself I'll like try and find a ramen spot cool uh, yeah I love that I, I think that that probably like Probably most people's first experience of ramen, unless you live somewhere or like your family is like particularly ramen focused, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like most people, I think especially in like North America, most people's first experience of ramen is like some kind of instant noodle, whether it's Mr. Yeah. Noodles or like the cup noodle kind of situation. And oh, yeah. uh, I, I got to say, you, <laughs> you are not the only person on this call who <laughs> probably spent countless hours eating crunchy raw ramen <laughs> in oh, the halls so of Osmo High. <laughs> oh, exactly. I remember like always going to the depth that was like a little bit further Canters. Um, than like the main one. Oh. It was a, it was like it was a little bit after the Poutine place, and I would go there. I think because theirs was like five cents cheaper, you know, sure. not much, but for like a fourteen-year-old, a dollar is like a hundred dollars. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> and we'd just like smash him up, and you know, oh, so good. The best. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's something really interesting about thinking of ramen as a like solo food because I definitely mm -hmm. like I've never thought about it this way, but I think you're right that it is something that like is nice to just kind of sit down and experience by yourself, like just put your face over the bowl and eat until you are done eating. And that kind of paints this picture for me of like someone hunched over a bowl of ramen by themselves. It's like raining and they're like sitting at a little kiosk where there's just one dude in the back who's like making noodles and making broth and like you're sitting alone and eating and it's like there, there's such a sort of picture that that paints for me and I love it. Yeah, I think and like definitely fact check me, I could be wrong, but so ramen was basically so like it's argued like when it was invented but it was basically the beginning of the 20th century um and i think it was supposed to be like a uh workers like quick eating thing like that 
Um, you can kind of just go on the go, like eat it quickly and then leave. Um, I would highly recommend watching a movie called Tampopo, T-A-M-P-O-P-O. It's a, a Japanese like Western style film about ramen and it's incredible. It's hilarious. It's just like, it's like, it has like a Western feel, but it's about ramen and, and this woman trying to like make the best ramen and, and there are all these like cutscenes where it's like just really beautiful interactions with food. There's this like old lady who like goes to a supermarket and she just like sticks her fingers into all these different foods. She just like puts her finger into the peach and then the, the clerk is like, wait, and then she runs away and puts her, it's a really good movie. I would highly recommend it. When you say Western style, you mean like cowboys kind of thing? Yeah. yeah That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. That sounds yeah, like so much fun. Really <laughs> Thinking about ramen as a food that like, you know, started as kind of a working person's food makes sense to me. Cause like you can make a lot of broth at once. Right. And just like, you know, when you go to a pho place, they've got the master stock that's been sitting on the stove for like, you know, 600 years or however long. And it, you know, what you're eating is the same thing. Someone who was there a month ago is eating. It just keeps building and building and the flavor is there. I think ramen has a sort of similar feel to me. And I think that it is really neat to think of it as a food that like you can eat as a sort of like quick lunch that mm -hmm. fills you up on the way back to work. So you said that there's all these cutscenes of her trying to make the perfect ramen right make it as as good as possible i think that that is something that and and this has come up on this show before japanese food culture i think has a, a really interesting sort of perfectionist tint to it where like in japan like everything that you make like everything that they cook like every chef is like determined to do the absolute best that they can every time right and to like constantly be learning and growing and improving on things and that's why we end up with you know beef that costs like six hundred dollars a pound or whatever because it's it's there's all this love and process put into the craft behind it um so i, I really love like you know the idea that this thing that we think of primarily as like you know a 50 cent pack of crunchy yummy from the depth across the street is also like steeped in this history and steeped in like generation after generation of people improving it yeah well, I mean, just the Japanese culture in general is is a very perfectionist kind of culture mm -hmm. um, that's quite rigid and quite strict. But yeah, I like I think it, you have to if you are learning to make sushi, it takes a couple years to do the rice, which is fair because my <laughs> rice is never as good as, as it is at certain restaurants. <laughs> but yeah, I like I'm even I'm trying to create like my own ramen recipe, yeah. and every time it's a little bit different. And because I don't eat meat, I rarely get to make it with like a like a meat base. It's sure. typically like pork or uh, chicken, I think. I like the pork ones more. But like sometimes I'll ask my partner if when he gets like meat, if he can keep the bone so that right. I can like make something out of it. But yeah, it's just, I guess, like really figuring out the perfect recipe, like the perfect thing to come home to. Um, I'm sure like restaurants and like established places, obviously, like they have it down pat. But I think it's, I guess it's like any type of recipe, you're really just trying to find the perfect thing. And the thing about ramen is that it's not supposed to be complicated, right? right. You're not supposed to like, it's not supposed to be like acid and, and, you know, like all these different things and this huge creative thing, but it's like this simple, like tender, like comforting food. Yeah, that's it. Like you, you can kind of go all out with it, right? Like you can, mm -hmm. if you if you Google like pictures of ramen, right? Like you're mm -hmm. gonna get pictures of instant noodles, but you're also gonna get these <laughs> pictures of like a beautiful bowl with like yeah. you know soft or hard boiled eggs and chopped up vegetables and things kind of arranged on top. But those are not the sort of like essential components of it, right? Mm -hmm. The essential is the broth and the noodles, and yeah. that's such a simple thing. But there can be so much nuance to it as well. Okay, budget aside, right? Okay. Say I gave you infinite budget to have ramen from wherever you want or prepared however you want okay. what's your perfect bowl of ramen uh it doesn't necessarily have to be one that you've had before in real life but obviously you know hard to hypothesize something that you haven't already had but what's your yeah like okay so um if you're giving me an unlimited budget i'm gonna go a little bit crazy and Surprisingly, the best ramen that I've had was in Dublin, so I'm gonna fly to Dublin. Um, I'm gonna get that ramen again. I got it was a ramen that had like a fillet of salmon in it, and I remember eating it and immediately regretting getting that one because the marinade for the vegetables that were in it were so good that I regretted and I wish that I got the vegetable one instead. 
it was still incredible. It was still absolutely delicious. I think about it like all of the time. Um, so I'd probably do that. You'd go back and have the salmon one again, or you'd get the I would probably one? get the vegetable one. Okay. Um, just I I remember being so pleasantly surprised by how amazing it was, especially because it was Dublin. I don't know. I was just a little confused. Um, and it was just like a happy surprise. I would probably say that. Yeah. Otherwise, um, Kazu and on St. Catherine has really good ramen. So I would say go there. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I So my friend Scott Evans um, is a university chaplain out in Dublin. And mm-hmm. um, he is at some point going to be on this show to talk about pho. There's a little spoiler okay. for you. We were going to do it a couple weeks ago, but... Uh, <laughs> He just had a his he and his wife had a baby in like oh. November or December, um, so his schedule is pretty unpredictable. Um, mm. And I find it really interesting because I yeah from from what he's told me, like noodles and broth, you can get very very good stuff there. Yeah. And I don't know what that sort of uh, like I don't know how that happened specifically, yeah. but I find it really interesting. And uh, so it's funny to me that you're you're also going to Dublin for that. I actually, I because Japanese food is, is just some of my favorite food, mostly because it's something that I, I can't cook myself. Like I rarely do take out for foods that I can make myself. Sure. And I was, I actually thought Dublin had really good Japanese food. I'd gotten this like sashimi bowl with rice at one point and was just really taken aback by it um I think I had I think I only had like I wasn't there for super super long but I think I had two or three Japanese focused foods and they were all like very good and much better than like the other places that I'd gone to in Europe (laughs) (laughs) I love that I love traveling for food like this is something you mentioned earlier is like you know just traveling alone and eating food somewhere I haven't traveled alone very much like I think Mm. I don't know if I'd enjoy it or not I think I would if I was going somewhere I was like familiar with but Mm. I like to sort of explore with people but I definitely I definitely love traveling for food like this is I I think I think the main thing that I like to travel for is just to like eat the food of a place and Mm -hmm. if I can have as little itinerary as possible (laughs) otherwise and just be like I'm gonna plan my day around where I want to eat today that's like the dream so maybe (laughs) post-COVID truly oh man I um um so the a big chunk of my traveling I did was when I went on exchange in Lyon France and a lot of the people that I was with like they spent a lot of their money on going to clubs and partying. And don't get me wrong, like, I love dancing. I love going out. But for me, I was like, I'm spending my money on food. Like, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. I'm going to spend all my money on food. I don't really care about all the other things. I don't really need to shop. I need to go to museums. I need to eat. Um, that's that's my that's my big one. Yeah, I feel that. I took a trip out to Halifax. This is this is the exciting traveling I'm doing. I, I took a 45-minute flight east in the middle of February. It was a choice. <laughs> and uh, my, uh, my buddy Daniel and I flew out uh, just because we were like, he was about to move to Wisconsin, and we were like, we don't know when we'll see each other again. Let's like take a quick little trip just for a mm-hmm. weekend somewhere that we can get to like really quickly. So really, you know, from Montreal, the options are like, Ontario, which like, eh, and yeah. like New York, which is expensive to go to, and like you know, Halifax. So we were like, okay, yeah. well, let's uh, let's go to Halifax. Neither of us had been there, and you know, mm-hmm. we knew there was going to be some like decent seafood, uh, and we just spent the weekend eating, and it was fantastic. That sounds so good. And then he moved back to Montreal like two years ago. So sometimes you go on trips. Yeah. thinking they'll be the last time you see someone and then they're not and that's nice um that's, it's so magical in its own like with like the idea that this is going to come to an end so there's even more like adventure and fun and heart um i went to new brunswick a couple of years ago and damn do they have good seafood oh my god my best friend is moving back soon and i'm like i'm coming I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm going to need a lot of lobster. Go visit before they move back. Yeah, exactly. My favorite oysters are from PEI. Like, I love PEI oysters. (laughs) I've tried from, like, different places, and they're always my favorite. That's super fair. Yeah, that's it. Like, I think, you know, being on the Eastern Seaboard, it's just a game changer. So we're getting close to the end of the show. Uh, Before we wrap up, I want to ask if you have any, like, final thoughts, words of wisdom, recommendations about ramen for the people listening at home. I want to say that I'm much more familiar with Japanese ramen. I'm not super familiar with Korean ramen, so 
Um, I can't give a lot of advice on that. Um, a sneaky trick that I do when I'm cooking like more of a tonkatsu kind of uh, ramen, so it's more of a creamier broth, is uh, I use a bit of oat milk hmm. um, just to make it a little bit creamier. Sure. Um, it's also good to add a little bit of like some kind of sweetener, so like so sh- brown sugar. I actually use maple syrup in a lot of things, so I'll usually put a little bit of maple syrup. It's not something you think about when you think about like how salty a ramen is, but it's good to put a little bit of sweetener, especially to balance it. I got into a small argument, but I won because I had enough proof <laughs> with my partner um, that I, when I boil my eggs, I put it in the water while it boils. There, He was like, no, 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 you have to put it once it's boiling. I'm like, look, hun, you've seen all my eggs. They all turn out perfect. And he was like, okay, that's fair. So put it in the boiling water for, like, wait for it to boil. Stop it, five minutes, ice bath, take it out, and then peel it and put in, like, a thing of soy sauce. And then you, you should be good for, like, the flavoring part of your egg. This is exactly how I do hard-boiled eggs as <laughs> yeah. well. And I can confirm that it is uh, I'm not the soy sauce part specifically, but the cooking process. And I can confirm that it's... Uh, it works! It works! It works. I, think I, I think Martha Stewart's website maybe told me that that's how you do it. So, you know, if you want to embezzle money, that's also a good way to do it, I guess. Put them in while the water's cold. I wouldn't be surprised because I think my mom really likes Martha Stewart and I got it from her. Right. So shout out to Martha. Hey, if it works, it works. Yeah. And yeah, just enjoy. Bon appetit. Oh, man. Well, thank you, Lily. This was awesome. Um, Do you have anything that you want to promote or plug or, you know, encourage people to do, I guess, is my (laughs) sort of, if you're not promoting anything, maybe a, a message to the people? If you want to follow me on Instagram... My Instagram is the number 5FT25, 5'25", because I'm quite short. Um, It has photography, and then my stories, I would like to think they're quite funny. Um, But otherwise, take care of yourself. It's a little bit cold right now. It's going to get warmer. um, And hope everyone's doing okay during this horrible time. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, thank you, Lily. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this was super lovely. Take care. Bye. This week's episode is brought to you in part by an anonymous donation on behalf of Head & Hands. Head & Hands is a clinic in my neighborhood of NDG that's provided legal, medical, and social services to young people since the 1970s. Their goal is to provide preventative, inclusive, non-judgmental, and holistic resources for youth in Montreal to help the community at large. You can learn everything about what they're doing at headandhands.ca, and there's a link in the description of this episode for ease of access. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new review I get during the month of March, I'll be donating $2 to The Depot NDG, which is my local food bank. They do a lot of really great work. And the long and short of it is that they can turn every dollar into $3 worth of food for people in need. So by leaving a rating and review, you're making me give them $2, which makes them give $6 worth of food to people. So think about that for a minute. You do something for free, and $6 of good happens. That's pretty awesome. Make it happen. You can learn about everything that they're doing in the description below. I also wanted to let you know that our network is in the middle of a massive fundraising campaign over on Indiegogo. We're looking to raise $2,500 to buy a new computer for our main studio and invest in transcription services to make our content more accessible to the deaf and hard of hearing. At the time of recording, we've raised just under $2,200, which is awesome. We're really close to our goal. We've also just revealed our first stretch goal, where if we can raise at least $5,000, which is double our goal if you've been doing the math, we'll be upgrading all of the equipment in our main studio and donating the current setup to a local youth center to help them set up their own podcasting space and help young people in the neighborhood make their voices heard for years to come. Now, if all of that sounds good to you, what if I told you that there's also a ton of amazing perks available, like guest spots, hand-sewn whales, Zoom cooking classes, and more, and that we're even running a referral contest with prizes valued at over $200, where you yourself don't even have to give any money if you can convince your friends to give money. Well, it's true. All of that is true. Pretty great, right? So go hit the Indiegogo link in the description of this episode and throw us a couple bucks or participate in the referral contest or both. Get yourself a shiny perk or two and help us make podcasting awesome and accessible. All right, that's enough for me. Now let's get to the second part of our show where Matt Cole and I give you the rundown on this year's Munch Madness competitors. All right, Matt, you know what time it is. I do know what time it is. Tom, what time is it? 4.53 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you know what that means. It's munch madness time? 
it's time to reveal the competitors for our 2021 Munch Madness tournament, including their seeding, which will also let us reveal who's going up against who in the, uh, do you call them qualifying rounds, preliminary rounds, the not rounds that are quarter or semi or finals, the ones before the, the first quarters. round, that the first round, <laughs> there we go. So obviously last week we, uh, you know, outlined the 12 that we knew were going to be there, including the first through fourth seeds, which are the uh, champion runner-up and semifinalists from last year. I have since then found out who the last four competitors are. So um, I guess I'll give you that list in order from first to 16th seed. The seeding, of course, is determined by... For the first four, it's determined by where they were in the standing last year. Uh, And then for the rest, it's determined by how many votes they got in our survey slash poll thing that we ran for the past month. I'm going to tell you now, the uh, 16th seed (laughs) at the very last minute beat out uh, Chips, which almost made it in. So I'm going to say that Chips get an honorary mention this year as uh, the 17th seed and therefore not anything i mean that kind of rules that it changed at the last minute mm-hmm. it'll be a real shame if that 16th seed that snuck in doesn't make it past the first round but it's cool that there was last minute change yeah it's because <laughs> the person in 16th place i'm not going to reveal at this exact moment uh but they had a nomination that was under a name that i just forgot to like throw into the same category when when I initially counted it, and that bumped them ahead of chips. Um, So you'll see who that is soon. Uh, But yeah, so uh, in order of uh, first through 16th seed, we of course have our returning champion, Pasta, hoping to defend defend the title this year. Runner-up, Garlic, in second seed. Uh, In third place, we have Pies, etc. And in fourth place, we have Sandwiches, etc. So obviously you and I talked about them last week. (laughs) It's... uh, going to be interesting to see if they make it nearly as far this year as they did last year i did think of a weird question that i wanted to ask when you say pies is that only sweet pies or also savory pies so this is actually an important thing um that we can actually talk about today as we go through this list is what constitutes each of these things because some of them are a little you know nebulous or whatever um i'm willing to say pies includes like meat pies tortillas that kind of thing um but only if like only if it comes down to it you know like i think the default is dessert pies so i don't know where do you stand on it well yeah i mean like because you say pie and of course my brain jumps to fruit but like also shepherd's pie meat pie and chicken pot pie come to mind right but i like what you said of like that's a tiebreaker yeah you know like unless we need to delve deeply into the status of pie i'm not sure that it matters yeah i think that's where i'm at too is that the reason that we have etc attached to both pies etc and sandwiches etc is that they're both categories that can be kind of stretched out a little bit broader and honestly i think that's part of what got them into the semis last year was that they have that versatility um so i think i'm willing to rule that like they are allowed to include those things as well but i'm going to be watching for that this year a little bit more than i did last year you know cool yeah the- i support that decision yeah, like in the judging. Yeah, so that's our four first ones. We'll go to the middle, I guess, of the bracket now. With uh, These ones have been revealed already as of last time, but we've got cheese at number five, pizza at number six, ramen at number seven, and rice at number eight. Uh, and now people who are familiar with how uh, bracket tournaments work uh, might at this point be able to start plugging everything in and figuring out who goes up against who in the first round of competition. Uh, and if you want to do that while listening along, go for it. But also I'm going to tell you in like two, three minutes. So don't feel like you have to, because that information is coming. Uh, the ninth seed, of course, is burgers. The 10th seed is dumplings. The 11th seed is mac and cheese. And the 12th seed is sushi. And dumplings, we also had this conversation <laughs> about the last time we talked about what all is included in dumplings yeah and uh again i think this is going to be one of those ones that like i can see dumplings going far in this tournament because of that versatility because they have a lot of uh variety in them and they kind of like span cultures if you get loose with the definition which like we're going to be willing to do but again judges are going to be a little bit a little bit cautious about it this time around all right 
Good deal. Yeah. So yeah, so those are the 12 that we knew about already last time. Are you ready to find out who the final four that uh, emerged from the shadows and uh, are in the last, the lowest slots on the uh, the seating are? Oh, baby, I'm so ready. All right. So the 13th seed, the winner of the losers is Soups, which uh, I think is one of the ones that we said we were surprised didn't come up last time. In fact, no spoilers, but all four are ones that we were surprised didn't come up last time. Uh, and I don't know if that's because new votes came in that uh, were influenced by our conversation last week or if it just you know worked out that way. Um, but yeah, so soup is number 13. Number 14 is chicken. Okay, which, uh, I'm good with chicken. Yeah, exactly. We wanted some more meat representation and we are getting it. Uh, number 15 is fish which um, Fish was in last year's tournament as well, so I'm uh, glad to see it trying to make a comeback this year. I think it got eliminated pretty early, uh, so we'll see how it does this time around. And uh, number 16, who beat out Chips very, very narrowly because I did a recount and noticed that uh, Sourdough had been written on a couple of votes, and I forgot to count it as Bread, our 16th competitor. So uh, Bread has made the cut, and Bread is seed number 16, which feels extremely appropriate after spending a year in quarantine where people made a lot of bread and ate a lot of bread. Yeah, I do think it's really interesting that three of the things that we talked about uh, the last time I was on have all now squeaked into the tournament, but I am I'm not sad about my influence. I... <laughs> I plant myself in this moment firmly upon the land of Team Chicken, Mm -hmm. and I hope to see Team Chicken go all the way. Yeah, it would be nice. We'll see what happens. Um, So, of course, now we will go into what our first eight rounds are going to look like and who is going up against who in the very first round as a result. Uh, And so those eight pairings are uh, in order seed one versus seed 16 pasta versus bread Uh, i think that one's going to get heated and i'm really excited about it yeah that is uh that's the olive garden bowl if this was a college (laughs) football pool that would be the olive garden bowl of (laughs) pasta versus bread this is the uh if we were doing east west south and north uh this is uh carbs Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So next up, we have um, things that make your breath stink in round two. The second seed, garlic versus the 15th seed, fish. I have strong feelings for garlic and next to no feelings for fish. So that seems like a blowout waiting to happen. (laughs) Now, I'm not 100% sure if this is true. I think fish maybe got eliminated by garlic last year, too. I'm oh, saying man. two. This is a prediction I'm making. I don't think Fish is going to make it past the first round, but maybe. We'll see. We'll see who's it's on a, that episode. It's a grudge match in uh, round one. Yeah, that's how it should be. It's exciting. Round three, of course, the third seed versus the 14th seed. Uh, now, this is one that feels a little bit out of left field. Some of them feel like really, you know, good pairings that are like exciting and, and you know, pasta versus bread levels of competition. Uh, and there are others where uh, I really don't know what's going to happen because they are super unrelated. Uh, and so this one is, of course, the third seed pies, etc. versus the uh, 14th seed chicken. Yeah, I... I still plant myself firmly upon the land of Team Chicken. Mm-hmm. That will be a very heated battle. <laughs> uh, and I think I think our distinction of savory pies and sweet pies may become relevant earlier than we expect. Yep. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think that if... Uh, I mean, and we'll get into it, you know, when this round comes up, but I kind of feel like what it's going to come down to in that round is uh, if the people on the call are savory or sweet people. Uh, and if they're sweet people... or if they're savory people, it's going to come down to whether or not they can be swayed by savory pies. So I think it's going to be interesting either way. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Chicken is like almost its own chicken etc. category as well because there's so many there's so many ways to chicken. There are so many ways to chicken. <laughs> okay. Anyway, what what's the next one? Um, so I didn't tell you. Uh, anything about this before calling you today you wanted it to be a surprise when we got on the call so it'd be as as authentic as possible um this is one of the ones that made me go oh shit out loud when i was putting the bracket together uh round four is of course our number four seed and our number 13 seed matt it's sandwiches versus soup oh damn oh damn tom wow 
Wow, that's very good. Very one-sided, in my opinion, because I really hate soup. <laughs> but um, the fact that we have pasta versus bread and soup versus sandwiches is most excellent. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> I'm. This is. I feel like this year like this is not the only one that feels like this to me and i think that's going to be really exciting we have a lot of uh really intense matchups in the first round rad i'm looking forward to it (laughs) so now round five we're getting into the second half of the uh first round we have our fifth seed and our 12th seed this one uh i really could go either way honestly uh (laughs) and that is cheese versus sushi Ew, that's a gross two words to hear in the same sentence. Isn't uh, it? Yeah. Ugh, ugh, gnarly. Um, <laughs> yeah, that feels one-sided to me as well. But uh, I think that there are some, some hardcore sushi fans out there. Mm-hmm. And I know the last time Cheese was on, you had a lactose intolerant episode. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Now, I will say, I think that for the purposes of this tournament... Plant-based cheeses are on the table as part of cheese. Okay, I, That's I think valid. that yeah, because like you know, <laughs> there are a lot of people who can't do dairy, and that was one of the flaws last year was that we were really sticklers about whether or not it was you know lactose cheese or not. And like, let's not this year. Let's let's say it. Let's say that vegan cheese counts for the purposes of this competition uh, as a cheese if it matters to the people in any given round. Um, So that might change things a little bit, but I do feel like the people who like sushi a whole lot might just, I mean, if they're the ones on this episode, cheese is going down. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's really what you're up against, but I would also posture to say that like plant-based cheese and, and craft single American cheese or Velveeta are both the same distance away from, traditional curdled dairy cheese (laughs) so i think that you you are casting a much wider net to find people interested in the umbrella term of cheese Mm -hmm. than you are for sushi no i don't i don't disagree there yeah i i think it's going to be interesting it's really going to come down to the people on the episode because like i think i i do know people who like sushi a lot more than they like cheese not just you know standard cheese but also all varieties of cheese like i think that sushi people are sushi people you know yeah yeah but they're like they're like people who are into dc comics like they have their own thing going and we just don't hang out with them I think you might have just made some people angry. I stand by my statement. <laughs> um, our sixth round is uh, sixth seed pizza versus, and Matt, this is another one of the ones that made me go, oh shit, 11th seed mac and cheese. Aw, oh, damn. Aw, oh, damn. That sucks. That's two very good things. Um, <laughs> here is here is me putting in my formal request to not be on that episode. <laughs> That's too hard for you, huh? Yeah, those are like two of my favorite things. <laughs> it's your very own Sophie's I, Choice. I don't want to make my my favorite things fight. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm not going to make that promise, but uh, duly noted. <laughs> yeah, that, that one, like, I don't, I don't think there's anyone who likes one but not the other. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't know that I know anybody who would say that they don't like one pizza but like mac and cheese or vice versa yeah i mean they're they're the same childhood comfort food type of foods they're really really close to each other honestly yeah (laughs) on a molecular level (laughs) so yeah that one feels a little nuts uh round seven also feels a little bit nuts um in that i think it's another situation where the people who like these I think often that Venn diagram is uh, a lot more of a circle than some of these other competitions. Uh, So round seven is our seventh seed ramen versus our 10th seed dumplings. Yeah, that's a weird one. And and again, like that goes back to the definition of dumplings, Mm -hmm. because I think if you're really into Momo, you're probably really into ramen. But like, I'm not into ramen, but still like pierogies. Right. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's a tricky one. Like I think uh, I think what I'm thinking is like if we're thinking about dumplings as like, you know, potstickers or gyoza, right? Like the sort of Asian varieties of dumplings, sure. steamed or fried or what have you, 
I think that I don't know anyone who's big into those who isn't also a fan of like brothy noodle dishes. Mm-hmm. And so like I we'll see what happens. We'll see who's on that episode. I know that for me, dumplings is the winner between those two. But like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I could really see it going the other way. And I think that ramen has an accessibility to it that dumplings don't always have that might end up making it the winner in that round. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I agree with you. Like dumplings is the clear winner to me. Question, are Pop-Tarts a dumpling? So our round eight matchup, the final <laughs> matchup of our first round. Oh, God. No, uh, Pop-Tarts are a pastry, I think, if I was going to categorize them as anything. Why? Because they're a toaster pastry. They're pastry dough. Yeah. With icing. Are they stuffed? Do they have a... Do you par- yeah, yeah, Pop-Tarts are. have stuffing. Oh. Uh-oh. If you don't want to call a Pop-Tart Uh-oh. a dumpling, you have to call it ravioli. Oh, you know what? I think it might be closer to ravioli than to dumpling because it has the icing on top, which is to the Pop-Tart as the sauce is to the ravioli. So does that make Pop-Tart a pasta? Yeah, (laughs) I think it does. I think it does. I don't like it, but I don't make the rules. I guess I kind of make the rules. Our last last matchup. Oh, God. Oh, God, I hate that. the implications it's upsetting. go ahead tell us about the last matchup oh god i'm gonna have to ask giovanni about that oh god um okay our last matchup in this first round is um our eighth seed rice versus our ninth seed burgers now this is another one that i think is going to get heated there's a clear winner in my mind in terms of like what i'd rather eat but i think I don't know, man. I think that it's going to be uh, a really intense matchup. Yeah, I would very much not like to be on that episode as well, or very much like to not be on that episode. That's the, <laughs> the proper the proper grammar. Um, yeah, man, burgers are like one of my favorite go-to meals, but I eat rice with everything. Yeah. Like, I've it's 5 o'clock, and I've had rice twice today, so... <laughs> I, ah, man, that's really hard. I don't want to be on that episode. (laughs) Have I ever told you about my idea for a rice restaurant? No, but I'm interested. It's called Spicy Rice, and you could franchise it in Quebec by calling it Epicerie, because rice is re and Epice is spice, but Epicerie is grocery store. It's a fun little, you know, French portmanteau, which feels like a redundant turn of phrase and the whole idea is we serve rice and you can put stuff on your rice so it's like you know the basic bowl is like two dollars for a bowl of rice or like four dollars for a large and then you make your way along like a subway style counter and they're like what do you want on your rice and you put toppings and then you get to the sauce and they're like what sauce do you want on your rice and then they add you know a price to it based on what you put on it but if you want just rice with like soy sauce you can get that for very cheap or you can go all out and get really fancy rice and if you want to pay extra they can fry it for you but the basic concept is it's a rice bar tom i have really bad news and and that bad news is that that restaurant exists already they're just all different restaurants because that's just like chipotle or i don't know there are a lot of them in america i don't know how many are in canada but but it's chipotle bibibop genji go like any fast casual rice based restaurant is just spicy rice (laughs) well yeah but spicy rice is exclusively it's it's rice focused it's like it's not like the other places where like you know if i went to chipotle i could get my chipotle without rice like I could. So in this situation, oh god. So in this situation, if your restaurant, if your spicy rice was Chipotle, rice wouldn't be the rice, rice would be the tortilla? Yes, I think. Okay. Rice is the <laughs> rice is the focal point of the dish instead of being the thing that the chain puts a lot of in the dish to fill you up. So they don't have to give you as much of the like ancho chili braised beef or whatever. Got it. Okay. All right. I'm. I listen. I'm not here to talk down on your rice restaurant. This world needs more rice restaurants. I would like more outlets for good rice. I just. I. I'm not sure that that market share is open. <laughs> <laughs> I bet there's a. I bet there's a market for it. I don't know. If if frozen yogurt bars can be a thing, <laughs> why can't rice bars? 
I I can't argue with that logic. That makes just as much sense to me as a pop tart being a pasta. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Matt. Do you want to make some? Uh, do you, Do you want to like pick your like top three out of every competitor and and put some money on it, but not real money because you know we can't encourage gambling here. This is an international yeah. podcast. That would be hard because Quebec is especially really fucking weird about that. Yeah, yeah. That would. Let's not do that. Um, I don't have time to learn about Canadian law. Uh, I think my my flag stays i'll say it again firmly planted in land of chicken sure um i'm big big on team chicken my favorite food probably of all time is mac and cheese Mm -hmm. uh so i'll i'll put i'll put myself behind mac and cheese and then i think i'm gonna go with rice honestly as my like sort of wild card answer so yeah chicken mac and cheese and rice, all things that you could eat together in one forkful. Um, I don't know why you would, but you could. Yeah, you could. I did once have a dish that was, it was like mac and cheese in the, uh, it, it, I, okay. Actually, I had a dish once that was just all three of these put together, basically. Uh, but it was like curry flavored. Oh, interesting. It was really good. It was like a curry rice with like macaroni mixed into it and melted cheese on top. And there was shredded chicken and like probably onions and like, you know, some other veggies kind of spread throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you put elbow noodles in risotto, it's basically ricey mac and cheese. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's upsetting. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I mean it it's upsetting, but it's accurate. Yeah, just like just like Pop-Tarts is pasta. Um yeah. I think if I had to choose my 3, I'm not going to choose the same 3 as you because I think it'll be more interesting if I don't. Um I agree. The 3 that I want to throw my hat behind this time around are burgers. Because cool. I'm a burger person at heart, I think cheese is gonna have to be one of my uh, one of my ones that I rally behind this time. And I love an underdog, so uh, let me just make sure that it's not in the same round as either of them. It is not. My uh, last one is gonna be bread. Bread, I think, is a really good one. Those are, I would say, like three that I would also choose. Right. So I feel very good if any of our six are are the winner of the 16 then i'm happy yeah i feel that well one of us is going to be upset after round eight no matter what and oh are uh, we up against each other in round eight what was round eight round eight is rice versus burgers yeah okay yeah one of us will be upset i think it's probably going to be me but one of us will be upset i don't know man i feel like rice is one of those things that people who like it rally behind it i don't think it's like whatever example we gave earlier oh uh i don't think it's like mac and cheese and pizza where like if you like one you obviously like the other Mm -hmm. but i feel as strongly for burgers as i feel for rice like i have a hard time fighting one over the other for that sure yeah that's it i i feel like i'm gonna be happy if rice makes it through that round but not because or sorry i'm gonna be happy if burgers make it through that round but not because rice lost you know yep yeah that's (laughs) that is sort of how i feel like no matter who wins round eight we all win yeah. everybody's happy at the end of round eight now, one of us may be disappointed but everybody's happy i will say that i think if if it were down to last year's champ pasta and either rice or burgers in the finale i think rice would stand more of a chance than burgers but against pasta yeah weird I yeah. was just about to say I feel like burgers would stand more of a chance against pasta. Oh than rice. man. Okay, well that if that tells me anything and also should tell the listeners anything, it is that this year's Munch Madness is going to be off the wall, real intense. Hearts are gonna yeah. be broken, <laughs> feelings are gonna get hurt. <laughs> Stomachs will be in knots. Mm-hmm. Pop tarts will be pasta. Still don't love that. Pop Tarts is pasta isn't as upsetting to me as elbow noodles and <laughs> risotto being ricey mac and cheese. No, you're you're not wrong. That's definitely the worst the worst of the word crimes. <laughs> the thing is, I think if the Pop Tart if the like air quotes pasta sauce that was on the Pop Tart was some variation of like 
icing like if it was an icing of a different texture like it would have to be a sweet like i wouldn't want a pop tart oh you know what maybe i would want a pop tart in like a in like a meat sauce not a meat oh i'm having a lot of a lot of conflicting feelings here matt yeah well okay so let's call a spade a spade a pop tart's just a hard ravioli so if you took a ravioli and and like fried it it's it's closer to a pop tart than it is a pasta and in that sense, dipping it into like a marinara sauce, then it's the whole way a pop tart. Yeah. So, and I'm into that. So I would eat a savory pop tart with meat sauce. Oh, we can make the pop tart savory. I don't see why we couldn't. Okay. All right. I don't yeah. think I would go out of my way to eat a cookies and cream pop tart with meat sauce. Ooh. That'd be weird. You know what? You get a pop tart, and the jam inside is um is a fig jam. All right, stay with me here. Fig okay. jam pop tart. So we're, we're elevating it, right? It's yep. um, fig jam. The pastry is like you know handmade, delicious, buttery pastry, and then the icing on top is like a like balsamic reduction or something. Uh, I'm sorry, I got a little hung up on the way you said balsamic, but okay. Yeah, or like a like some kind of a maybe like a spicy tomato based sauce. Yeah. Yeah, because I could see the like you would keep the fruity, the fruity spirit of the inside of a pop tart, right? Like the jam, but it elevates it by being fig jam, and fig pairs really nicely with those more like spicy and like savory flavors. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there are fruit flavors that pair well with savory flavors. Yeah, I just don't know if any of them are current flavors of pop tarts. But there are those. There are there are like pretzel pop tarts. Oh, so that's a salty pop tart. Yeah, and then I mean, if we're being real like fast and loose with it, we could also just put cheese whiz on top of a pretzel pop tart and call that pasta sauce, right? That's basically an Alfredo. <laughs> oh wow, canned Alfredo is really upsetting. I don't like that. And on that note, uh, we hope that you guys will tune in starting next week when we officially launch into Munch Madness with, uh, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but the first uh, couple of rounds of round one and uh, whoever our guests are, you'll see. (laughs) You'll read it in the episode title. I'll probably know by the time this episode comes out and maybe I'll say it at the end of the outro. But uh, until then, stay tuned. Tell us who your favorite picks are for this year's championship tournament maybe uh maybe we can not bet money on it but bet bragging rights yeah yeah it's not betting it's friendly agreements with consequences i like that yeah just does quebec that's what really matters does quebec like friendly agreements with consequences yeah i don't know that quebec has ever consulted with any of the people that they've made decisions about with regard to consequences, they kind of just do what they want and then uh, punish people for it. So uh, I'm going to say no, probably. All right. Yeah. Well, we've really spun away from Munch Madness here. Do you want to wrap it up? <laughs> yeah, let's wrap it up. Hey, Matt. Hey, Tom. Where can people find you if they want to find you? Uh, if you want to find me, you can find me on social media at MC underscore DJ underscore MC. Uh, and if you want more of my voice, you can check out my podcast about comic books and video games and other funny things at debate this cast i uh i laughed real hard and almost cried at the most recent episode where you guys talked a little bit about bloons tower defense six so people should go check that out (laughs) please do it brought back a lot of great nostalgic (laughs) memories of addictinggames.com all right and uh hey future tom what else do we got in the outro? Thanks for asking, Past Tom, and thank you for listening to Up for Discussion. Do you have a favorite kind of ramen? Tell us all about it on Twitter and Instagram at DownWithTalking. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, head to patreon.com slash upfordiscussion and donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall and Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, and Andrew, who requested this episode, Laura, Erica, Chantal, and David.
Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show, so go check that out at patreon.com slash upfordiscussion. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at TeePublic. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Flam. You can find links to support both of them, as well as links to everything that Lily and Matt and I talked about in this episode in the description. Last but not least, the show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. See you next week for part one of Munch Madness 2021. I'm October Jones, Hi, and this I'm is... I'm Fish with Legs. I'm a fish with legs. Fish. I'm the elemental creature of water. And I'm here to tell you about my podcast called October Jones and Fish with Legs. Starring me and my best friend... <laughs> October Jones. Nailed it. October and Fish is a fictional series that follows me and Fish with Legs as we try to stop an evil two-headed snake from releasing a terrible monster. And make friends, and go on adventures, and get captured a lot, and escape a lot, and encounter racism. And what? And learn very special lessons every third episode. I have not learned a single lesson. Yes, you did. We learned about being friends, and authoritarianism, and colonialism, and how to defeat a giant crab. Authoritarianism? They're in authority for a reason, Fish With Legs. If everyone followed the rules set in place by the human government, then there wouldn't be- for adults and kids. (laughs) New episodes on Mondays. You can find it wherever you find podcasts, and of course, on the Upford website. Okay, that's it. Bye! Hello, my name is Stefan, and I am the host of a show called Some Good Friends, and it's a podcast, and it will make you laugh, and we talk to some of my good friends, and- they're crazy and hilarious and wacky and you're gonna love them just as much as i do currently while i'm recording this i forgot to mute all my other takes so i'm hearing myself say different words in my ears the show comes out every monday weekly